Welcome to Mental Health Uncovered, a show dedicated to having candid, everyday conversations about mental health. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Mental Health Uncovered. This is Seth Showalter, your host, and I am thrilled today to be bringing in someone that I have actually had the privilege of interacting with and getting to know on TikTok. His name is Lawrence, and I can say a lot of things about Lawrence just based upon what I have been able to see and um, interact with on TikTok. But rather than allowing me to provide that explanation, I'd rather you hear from him. So let me jump in and ask you today, Lawrence, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm, I'm good, Seth. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. Um, now, I know that you are, a, you are a retired police officer. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. We really believe in here at Mental Health Uncovered is getting people's stories and so tell me a little bit about your story. How did you get into law enforcement? Believe it or not, I did not want, I wasn't even thinking about being a police officer at all. Yeah. But but my past history as far as working and career involved people. And I just, I, actually my father was telling me to, um, he was saying, hi, sign up, sign up. And I'm like, I'm not interested in being a police officer. My So my, and anyways, my my background is, you know, working with people. I was a teacher too for a couple of years. I work with children with um, behavior disorders. And, you know, so the bottom line is I just had this incident that happened in front of me. It was a car accident and, and people were trying to pull this gentleman out of a car to hurt him. And I actually stopped that. And this light came on in my head, like, this is something you can do for a living. Yeah. So. I think law enforcement was, I mean, people paid attention to what I was saying because I was all I was just saying was just an accident, you know. And after mm-hmm. that, I like him and, and I started looking into law enforcement and, and, um, I, I thought that was for me. Let me go back because I didn't realize that you had been involved in working with kids and working with people, uh, prior to law enforcement. So tell me a little bit about how everything got started. Okay, so I work for a big grocery chain store. I don't know if everybody knows if you're from Chicago. It's this huge store, Jewel Food Store. Uh-huh. But I interacted with hundreds and thousands of people for the, for over 10 years. So, you know, whether it be questions or things that happen at home, people flocked to me, and, and I thought it was awesome. So from there, I actually joined the Air Force, you know, just to learn. And I... You know, discipline was part of my home, my upbringing in the first place. So, and I thought I, I, I kind of wanted some school paid for. So I joined our forces. And mm-hmm. then when I got out, I ended up working for Jewel again. But then from there, transitioned to teaching for a couple of years with children with um, behavior disorders. And what kind of capacity were you working with children? Um, you know, Like I said, it was just, it was, again, it was just for a couple of years. And it was, um, it was fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Okay. And in that area. And those who just had, they needed more attention or with, because of whatever disorder they had. And, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, most likely half the time was just, they needed more, they needed to focus more on the, what was going on at school, the dynamics in, in, in the education. So that's kind of what I did for a couple of years. And then I transitioned right into the police department. 
So it sounds like from working with kids, you immediately developed a heart for people. And then there was this traumatic incident, it kind of sounds like, in which case you witnessed an incident that that kind of led you down this path of wanting to to lead into law enforcement. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So tell me that journey. So I you know, I I I'm aware I'm one of those people that I like to I'm I'm very, very observant. I like to pay attention to mm-hmm. everything. So that's the type of person I am. So I can come up with a conclusion what's really happening, what's not really happening. So that way, and, and that that involves being a parent too. When you're a parent, you do the same thing, right? So, anyways, um, I joined the police department, got into the academy, and a lot of people. Were, again, I remember I was on the outside looking in. There were some behaviors I did not like to see, and um, so I did. I forgot to add that, but there were some behaviors of police officers I didn't like to see. So that was okay. why I was interested in law enforcement. But then when I got in. I understood some of the behavior of why certain things happen with the dynamics in law enforcement. I, I got it. Uh, but it, it, it didn't have to be, it, it was it didn't have to be permanent, if you know what I mean. It, right. Yelling, yelling at people is not the way to handle every situation, you know, or, or, you know, pointing the finger at people, you know, things like that. I've seen a lot. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is, that's, you know, before I was in law enforcement, I'm like, that's, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And, when, and so when I got in, after I got in, uh, went through the academy, excellent training for the, for the, for the most part, excellent training. And, um, at, and, um, so, but again, too, I absorbed the training. You, if that's something that's very important when you go, when you get inside anywhere, whether it be college or any kind of educational center, it's absorbing the training and believing it. And, and I believed it and I understood it. So when I, when I, um, graduated, you know, it took me a couple of years and I found a, a partner who actually was just kind of like me. We, we just really liked people. We, we were really, uh, we understood people. And a little quick about my background. I, I grew up in a diverse, diversified neighborhood. I was probably like the second black family there. So, when I became the police and worked in a troubled, predominantly black neighborhood, that's new to me. Mm-hmm. So I had used to different types of behaviors that I wasn't accustomed to. And I'm, as far as like, I didn't know what baby mama meant. I, that was clueless to me. I had to figure that out. When it looked like you know, name calling, as far as siblings calling each other's, you know, you know, being vulgar, that was friendly. In that atmosphere, but not in that house, that wasn't friendly. You know, that was a no-no. That was something I had to adapt to because I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm thinking they're going to fight, and mm-hmm. it turned out, you know, that was something I had to rearrange my family thinking dynamics because that that wasn't always the case in that area where I worked, and right. that's something a lot of people. If you don't care about people, you won't try to figure it out. Right. Brothers, you know, just people in general, like in, in, in certain circumstances, it looked like they were going to fight. They were playing. When we were kids, we were, that wasn't allowed. So I, I had to kind of think, I had to look at situations. Okay, they're playing. But if if you're one of those people who really are not paying attention and, and or you're you know you're you're not observant, 
Mm-hmm. That mentality of how you grew up, you're going to throw that in people's faces. And that that's something that I had to correct as a training officer to these new officers. Like, no, that, you know, different family dynamics. And that's something that was, that was, and I, and I think a lot of times in this situation too, a lot of people, I'll say, you know, black, particular races like black people, they would say white officers being racist. And then that, you know, they were being racist because I thought the same way. So there's a there's a level of cultural integrity and in learning about different um, people groups and how they operate that impacts our behavior. And perhaps that's a big part of the job. I am curious. So you mentioned that you were a training supervisor at some at one point. As a field training officer for the last past uh, five or six years. Okay. So, so that became a, a really, I would imagine that became a really big part of what you did was actually normalizing some of those behaviors because I could definitely see why police officers would perhaps act in certain ways if they're not accustomed to the certain cultural norms. Yes. And and that was something. Believe it, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy as it sounds. I kind of had to correct that. Be, I had to correct that behavior with new hirees because they, you know, how come they don't call me sir? And you know, and they're trying to demand it. I'm like, you can't demand something. You can't demand other people's dynamics of how they grew up. You know, I in my house it was yes or no. Sir. I didn't expect mm-hmm. that from other family, uh, other people. Because they probably grew up like that, and that's something other officers, new hirees, had to understand, you know. And as far as, as right, but that being said, too, you know, I have to explain to. Um, it, it's hard talking to. How do I explain this? It's hard talking to people who who've been in law enforcement for a long period of time, and they refuse to change. They, they refuse to adapt. They have that 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 mentality, like that's not how it is, and I, mm-hmm. I, it's very difficult to talk to them. You know, it's very very difficult to talk to them, but it, but it's easier to talk to new hirees. So, I, I in my opinion, you know, I would let the supervisors deal with with you know particular behaviors from you know those officers and. I dealt with the new hirees because that's what I was, you know, transitioning, you know, in that perspective in my law enforcement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, I feel like we jumped forward quite a bit because we went from joining law enforcement to being a training. But I want to go ahead and jump in here because um, one of the reasons I wanted to interview you on the show was because of your focus on mental health and really working with people around cultural diversity within law enforcement. I've heard you on several lives, in which case you've talked about this um, on TikTok. And, you know, police don't have really a good name right now. Uh, There's a lot of, there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of um, misunderstanding, let's put it that way, um, across the board. And so really looking at how, supervisors are trying to make a difference to help bridge that divide, I think is really, really important um, because I think police serve a vital role in our communities 
and uh, in our society. And we need them, but we also need cultural competency um, so that people are understood and not automatically assumed to be doing something that they're not. Right. Completely agree. Um, again, it's, it's difficult to get, you know, I call those, I hate to say that word dinosaur, you know, the dinosaur type thinking, you know, and, and uh-huh. I, I, I'm 53 years old and I'm, we have to be willing to adapt. We have to be willing to change. And when it, and people, you know, people are, their thought process is all over the place, you know? And so, and in my opinion, when it comes to law enforcement, or health practitioners, whatever we are that we have to uh, serve or work with people, we need to give them the, you know, we need to understand them. And that, to me, that's, that was really important to me. And, um, you know, and so, um, some like, for instance, I know autism is one of the, um, uh, issues that kind of happened quite a bit, especially in my career. And I mm-hmm. had intervene in some incidences with other officers because they, they weren't one of the major factors of, of law enforcement is just listening and paying attention. That's, that's really the truth. Right. And, and, and I actually one I remember this, um, the gentleman, he was just quiet, wouldn't say a word. And in my opinion, you can clearly see there was something going on. There. You know, it was something, something not right. And the officers kept trying to talk to the guy. And I'm like, I don't, and in my mind, I'm like, you, you can't see that there's something wrong. So I intervened and, and I start, I, I start saying hello. And believe it or not, that word hello was impactful. He, he said mm-hmm. to respond. So I asked him about where his mom was at. And you can clearly, he started talking. You know, I'm just saying it was just, it was a different type of interaction. And in my opinion, the, the officer and I were the same age. So, and it, it wasn't because, I don't think he, it wasn't because he didn't like the, I, he just wasn't a people's person. And, and, and right. And this is not the career, in my opinion, not the career for people who are not people's person. Right. I, that's, that's a big deal um, because we need police officers who are people, people, you know, Um, we need police officers who actually want to engage. And I think what is often understood is we're so intimidated by police. At least I know I am. Right. But if I have a police officer that actually engages me in a conversation and treats me like a person, it changes my entire perspective on that specific incident. And I think that will go a really, really long way at bridging the gap with a lot of the tension that's currently taking place. If we can have police officers start to actually treat people like human beings rather than subjects. I completely agree, um, Seth. Again, it's difficult getting... I don't know if you ever saw one of my videos and one of my videos is about um, approach when you, when you do a traffic stop. Tell the person mm-hmm. why you stopped. Simple as that. It's not really hard. I did it for 20 plus years. So it's not hard to tell the person. You will get particular police officers say that that won't work. And and, I, and, it's, and if you tell them that um, I did it for 20 plus years, I have the other stuff that comes with it too. Like um, you must have worked in a small town. 
or or you must work oh, in yeah. a, a nice area. It, it instead of just trying it, I mean, the, the police department teaches it. So it is this. You just got that. Yes, the police department teaches it. I, I, I. It's not like that's not new. When that, when I was in the academy, they taught that. Tell them why. So, so the police department, the police academy teaches one way, but then once police officers get out in the field, they change that up after their own personal experiences. I'm guessing. I think yeah. I think they have a personal experience. And, they, and here's the problem mm-hmm. absorption absorption of knowledge. They tell you it's not going to work all the time. It's going to be a small, a very small percentage. And they probably met that small percentage that day. And they came to the conclusion it just doesn't work. And and I and I'm like, wow, you had to that one time, and then that was it. I had more. I can tell you, 98 percent of the time it works. And they call it verbal judo, but 98% of the time it works. Yes, you're going to have a small percent of people who are not going to like it. They're going to be against, you know, they're going to be defensive. I get it, you know. But if you still talk to them, you're, you're open men, you, you know, you don't have to get to that that point where you have to pull them out the car or or, or um, dem- start demanding things. Most of the time, you're really nice to people. They start talking right away. They start talking about something that happened last year. You're like, what? <laughs> you know, what, what, what did you do? You 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 won that interaction, and that's that's right. That's the goal. Absolutely, and I mean, I again, I w- one of the reasons I'm so attracted to bringing you onto the show, and one of the reasons I watch a lot of your TikToks is because you treat people like humans, and we need more of that so much in our society right now and there's so much tension um i am curious what do you think has led to the the major tension that's currently in play beyond the major incidences that have been traumatic right i mean i can name a lot of really bad situations that have occurred um and i understand that that's a large play here but beyond that what what do you think is contributing to the divide between police officers being able to actually do their jobs effectively? Well, I, I kind of think this uh, this is just my opinion, and I'm gonna give you some ex- some observation experience too. For uh, um, so I'm gonna give the observation experience first. The use of force whenever you have to put your hands on somebody, it doesn't look like this, and I and I, I've discussed that on my TikTok many times. And if you ever never never been violent in your life, and I'm talking about even as far as wrestling in school, never been in an argument. As soon as you see a law enforcement officer place their hands in a manner, I mean, you support, even if you use minimal force, it still looks violent. It doesn't look nice. And people, mm-hmm. like, step back and they can't, uh, they, they're uncomfortable with it. And I understand. See, I'm a, I understand. It, it does look uncomfortable. You, you can't look, make it look nice. So then all some people start forming their opinions about that situation, right? And then they start saying, I wouldn't do I wouldn't do it this way, I wouldn't do it that way. And the thing about the use of force, and this is just one factor, okay? There's not all factors, different factors. The thing about the use of force is when you see it on television, it looks perfect. You know, it, 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 it and what people don't know is choreographed, it's by the numbers. You know, one, two, three. Right. right. Now, but on the street, in real life, 
it's not choreographed. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's very difficult to actually, um, when you have to, with someone, the majority of people, I'm going to tell you, the majority of people will comply or cooperate when you have to say, sir, ma'am. If you say, sir, ma'am, you have to put your hands behind your back. Majority of people comply. You know, they, they say, okay. You know, and even if they, you know, they give you a little tension, you'll like, you can ex- still explain to them, you know, that's another thing to you, you know, not enough explanation. But either way, a lot, the majority of people comply, but there's that small percentage that won't. And, um, you have to put your hands on them. You have to use some story use of force to put them in handcuffs. And again, it doesn't look nice. And a lot of people, you know, they, they kind of like, you know, they're uncomfortable with it. And I try to bring that to light about that. Now, another thing too is when whites, white officers put their hands in a, in, on their, on a black person. And all of a sudden that's racism. But when, when a black officer does that same thing, it's not spoken of, you know, it's no big deal. So why is that racism? You know, I, 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 I mm-hmm. that a little up too. And I, that, and I'm also too, and a lot of people think uh, certain things like the word, the, the two words, uh, immunity. What's the other word? Um, qualified. qualified. Yeah, qualified. Yeah. A lot of people think that's absolute. And I try to explain that on my on my uh, live as much because I get a ton of questions about that, and I explain to people it's not officers are not entitled to qualified immunity, and let unless, yeah. unless they a reasonable member of the public believes that that was the right thing to do, and that's kind of how they, mm-hmm. you know, that's what there would there wouldn't be any lawsuits, officers wouldn't be getting fired or arrested, you know, those things do happen. So I think a lot of the beliefs need to come to light about what is and what isn't so that people can have a true understanding of what really goes on. And I'm, and I'm so sorry to say one more thing, too. Um, I think a lot of police officers refuse to tell members of the public, you know, what really is. For whatever reason, I'm not sure why. To me, it's a simple explanation about explaining in, in a, you know, because we're human beings. I, I don't like being told, explain it to me. We're adults. Mm-hmm. Explain it to me. It, it's not hard. You know, and there's some, you know, like, again, it's as simple as a traffic stop. The reason I stop you, sir, is because you failed to stop at the stop sign. Do you have a driver's license? And simple as that, now that negates that question, why just stop me? But there are officers who, who just are so stubborn. That they just won't step forward to say, you know, let me show some professional courtesy and just tell them. And that just mm-hmm. that risk. It, 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 there's a breakdown. There's a breakdown of communication from there. And then there's that horrible interaction. And I mean, that, there's a few, there's, some, there's a, a, a few things that, which is a lot of those, those few things can, are actually a lot that can be changed to actually create that, 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 um, positive community um, interaction. Yeah. Talking about that, can we jump in a little bit on mental health for police officers? Yes. Uh, because I think that's an important topic for us to talk about specifically on this platform. What's going on there? You know, I think a lot of police officers, like, like anywhere else, when you, join the, when you join the armed forces, you really don't think mm-hmm. you're going to war. 
everybody joins right. everything for the wrong reason. I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I, I knew what was going on because my, my, I had law enforcement in my family, so my father, you know, so I kind of have an idea what was going on in law enforcement. But there's some people you just join, um, to, cause you need, you know, you want benefits or, you know, for whatever you join for the wrong reasons. And then the real issues kick, kick, um, kick in, like, sh- um, being shot, someone shooting at someone 10 feet behind you. <laughs> you're, you're not gonna, right. it freaks, it, 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 it freaks you out. You know, it, it puts you in another mindset. And it's not a good right. that because you weren't really prepared for in the beginning, even though you're told about it, you know, actually having the experience, that's when it comes in uh, of how you uh, are either prepared for it or you're not. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. not everybody, every police officer is, is I, I was I prepared for everything? No, I wasn't prepared for everything, man. We, I, I've seen some stuff that I'm, I'm glad. I'm hoping you've never seen in your life, um, Seth or anybody else for that fact. And um, uh, the very first time, so I, I will say this: the, the police department does uh, create a lot of avenues for, uh, my opinion, for people who have mental health issues uh, in, in the police department. You know, as far as police personnel, it's up to that individual to either grasp or in in in. Go with it, because I I didn't grasp it, Seth. Okay, so serious question: Are there consequences for seeking mental health treatment while being in uniform? You know, as far as I know, no. It's the individual person who feels I'm I'm, I'm above that, or I can handle it. I was one of them. I I, I felt that I could handle it. I realized I couldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I actually mm-hmm. I, I I myself sought some counseling. You know, you, yeah. you, it's that, you know, so I think part of it, I, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a stigmatism with someone looking down on you when you have a mental health issue or you, you, you know, I, I've, I've, I've never felt that. I've just felt it was an individual issue that I can deal with it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's more of the issue than someone looking down on you within the, yeah. What about CIT? Loved it. So I'm going to tell you something that I I, um, I wanted to be a psychologist. Oh, did you? Yes, I did. So I started with a school called the Chicago like Chicago something University of Psychology or something like that in, in the city of Chicago. And I thought it would be a good idea to take the crisis intervention uh, training. Mm-hmm. Well, Seth, I um, I love the train. Excellent train. Not for me. I realized that the, um, there is a, I don't know how to say this. How do I say this? There's, there's just a, oh, you can say, it. they made me feel uncomfortable. Okay. I, it may raise the hairs on my arms of the issues that they were having. And I felt that I was not capable of helping them in that mental health field. Not, not aspect, mm-hmm. not do it every single day. Cause in law enforcement, you don't have to, 
you're not encountering encountering someone with mental health issues every day. No. And I don't think it's meant for you to, I don't think the training is meant for everyday use. It's meant for those situations in which case you do encounter someone, right? Um, but they, I will note, part of it is making you uncomfortable. Right. It, it, that's, that's part of it. That, that's intentional. Right. But it made me so uncomfortable that I withdrew from the school. Oh, because I, 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 I knew it was, you know, sometimes you just know. Right. Even though you want to help people, maybe that was not for that. That career was not for me. You know, I, I mean, I tried okay. earlier in my career. That was not for me. You know, just just something's out mm-hmm. of track. Some people just do it for whatever, you know, the money. I, I, I'm not that type of person. I, I, you know, when I know it's not for me, I'm not going to. It's not for me. You know, you know, so that's kind okay. No, yeah, um, I, I get it. I, it, it really, um, I don't know if it's okay. I wanted the people that were there. I think she, she wanted to, she had, she had two disorders and, and, mm-hmm. and she actually reenacted one of the voices she heard in her head. Scared me to death. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's important. That's, that's, um, that's intentional. We, I've actually encountered that myself with, in activities with training where they, they try to have you experience it or at least hear testimonies of what that's like. Right. Um, but the truth of the matter is you can interact. You never know uh, in working in law enforcement when you're going to encounter someone that does have auditory or visual hallucinations. And therefore, you need to at least have some type of understanding of what that's like so that it helps shape how you're going to interact with that person. But yes, it is uncomfortable. And yes, it does put you in an in an interesting position. So I understand why you would have some resistance. Yeah, I, I you know, I, as far as like I said, I it was great when I when so when I was called, I, I, I could deal with the situation that I um it just made me feel uncomfortable where, where I didn't want to deal I didn't want to deal with it. In a um, as a career, mm-hmm. in, that, in, that, in that in that area of mental health uh, practitioner, um, so I because there was you know I call myself call ourselves the many tool uh, personnel um, it helped me in a lot of situations with people who have uh, had mental health um, um, disorders. Great training, and I thank and for you that added that. Thank you very much. You know. Very, very interesting training, and and it uh, served me well. But as far as still, yeah, okay. with that, did the office absorb that training? That that's and that's kind of where we're at too with law enforcement. You know, if you if you with the academy, yeah, you know, I gotta say, you know, Chicago Chicago uh, Police Academy, they gave awesome training. I, I I don't think there's anything I I I, I was. I was, there was something I didn't understand or, you know, as far as like, you know, there was anything missing, you know, whatever training mm-hmm. he did, it was there. So, yeah. but it's the belief of individual people, you know, will that work? Will that, that won't work, but you won't know if it doesn't work. You don't try it. You know, these, these are the things, right. you know, again, I had more positive encounters 
And when I was met with that negative encounter, I was able to deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. Officers who have the training and they get that negative encounter first, however they deal with it, if it comes out negative, that's how they're going to think for the rest of their career. And that's, that's kind of what my opinion. And, oh, that doesn't work. Okay. And that's kind of how I, okay. you know, I'm not, that, I'm not setting that in stone, obviously, but, um, well, sure. I think, I think when people have that negative encounter, cause I, I'm still hearing it, you know, oh, mm-hmm. look at the front. And I always tell people, they're going to formulate, and when you stop a person, right? For, they're just talking about trap stop. You stop a person. They've already formulated in their head what they're going to do. The- True. True. I attended the CIT banquet every year where we, they, you know, of course, recognized police officers who had done great work and things like that. But um, the main thing is we're, we're running out of time here. So um, I mainly just want to say thank you so much for coming on to the show. Um, is there anything that you'd like to leave our le- our listeners with? You know, like, like, you know, I'm just I'm trying to be helpful in the in the in the world to like bridge a gap between people who actually don't like the police, and I think they just don't understand the police or to understand mm-hmm. the damage of law enforcement. So I'm just trying to give people what actually happens and what doesn't happen, so we can kind of bridge that gap. And that's that's all I'm trying. Well, you're doing a great job at it, and if um, anyone. Um, wants to to learn more about you. What's your profile on TikTok so they can follow you? Uh, retired Police Lawrence D. Okay. And do you have anything um, further that you'd like to represent, promote, um, anything like that? Oh, right now, Seth. No, you know, I, I'm um, I'm working some things out for for the future. See if um, um you know, so we just so we can have more of a, uh, you know, bridge that gap as far as you know, like I don't know. My wife and I are talking about it, so it's, we're, I'm just trying to see, like maybe okay. as far as t-shirts or something like that, or something nice. Okay. The, the, it can work, you know. That type well, of let thing. let me know in case you do, because I'm 100% willing to advertise that on the show. Um, I want to again thank you so much for coming on. We're running out of time, so um, I just want to say thank you so much, and I really appreciate your time. I appreciate your time too, Seth. Thank you very much for having me. You bet. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember that Mental Health Uncovered does not provide any type of therapeutic, clinical, psychiatric, or medical advice and is intended for entertainment purposes only. If you need such care, I encourage you to find such a professional in your community. You can locate and access your local crisis line by calling 988 Thanks again. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. for listening.